Welcome along to the Christmas Eve version of the Two and Under podcast. Um, I'm Jack in Brisbane. I've got Bobby. Bobby, you've chosen a great one to be back for. How's it going? Yeah, good. Um, Merry Christmas to everyone. And uh, yeah, good one to come back to, Jack. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. This um, So the, so just for context, it's what? Um, 7.15 on Christmas Eve morning at the moment, or 8.15 uh, for Bobby in Victoria. Um, we just thought we'd do the podcast, get it get it done early. Um, obviously, the game kicked off at 1am. And then if you're anything like I am, you, you're enraged at the end, so you can't go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you go on Twitter and you start writing a few things. So, yeah, so it was, I got to sleep about 4.30. I've had about two and a half hours. So it might not be your usual slick, um, smooth production on the Tune Under podcast today, but we'll just, we'll react to what we saw. Um and sort of see if we can pick through what happened with this game, what's happening generally with the away form this season, uh, how much of a problem this is going to be for the rest of the season. We got beaten 1-0 by Luton in a result that I think a lot of people could have foreseen um, just with the way things have been going lately. Bobby, what's your initial reaction to this uh, pretty bad result and bad performance? First of all, we got all we deserved. Um, well, we weren't we weren't great, so fair play to Luton. I think um, you could tell they would be up for it for their captain after what happened last game, and they were. They were certainly the, they brought the energy, and we were devoid of energy. So the result took care of itself on that end. And um, <clears throat> yeah, as you spoke about, the the bigger issues are the away form. Uh, there's something drastically wrong there with our with what's going on. I think the mentality this season is different from previous. I, I don't know what the explanation is. Um, you know, we've lost a few games in the last few minutes um, where we were really a strong defensive unit previously under Howe. Um, so there's a mental gap that they got to figure out. And I'm sure Eddie and the team are, are scratching their heads and trying to work out, you know, 24 hours a day, what's going on. But in regards to this game, you just got to give credit to Luton and they fully deserve their win. Yeah, they did. Um, and as I said, I think it, was, it wasn't it was an obvious result, but it felt like this could quite easily happen uh, given the way things have been going. Um, I, I want to talk about a bit later about um, some of Eddie's decision-making and his performance lately because he's been copping a lot of stick and this is going to happen when you lose games and when you go mm. through a run. People don't want to listen to, don't want to hear about how things were, you know, where we were and where we are now. I, I get that. People don't want to listen to the injuries and the fatigue. I get that as well. <laughs> but it's, it's all it's part of the story at the moment and all reasons for why we are where we are. But you're right about this game. Luton just wanted it more. Um, and that's the most disappointing thing. They fought for everything. They battled. I think they came out of the traps really quick as we knew we were going to hap- was going to happen so i think we need to, we needed to be prepared for that and it just didn't feel like we were and mm. it's so disappointing because it's so unlike newcastle over the last two years to be out fought in a game um and to be out battled and that's what happened um but you could tell couldn't you bobby the first 15 minutes first 10 15 minutes this is what Luton were going to do we had to come up with an answer to it and we we basically just didn't really did we for the whole game no, no, I think, you know, I, as I said, I I woke up with um, five minutes on the clock or whatever, and I think within seven minutes, 
the clock said seven minutes, so I knew this was going to be a long, long game and sort of regretted my decision to wake up because the energy levels, if there was in one of those games that you play that the energy bars, we were on, we, were, we started on yellow and they were on mm. red and they were smoking. And in the end, that's the difference. I don't want to take away from Luton and, you know, discourage their skill levels and all that sort of thing. But mm. this was one on energy levels. Um, and we, we've hit a brick wall um, for some reason. Um, I think we all knew this year was going to be tougher than last. Mm-hmm. I think the smart people realised that making top four again or doing whatever was going to be a challenge. Um, I think even mm-hmm. Merad said it in the documentary. Um, you know, Ashton and everyone said it was going to be a tough season. And it, it's proving to be. Um, so now it's about how we respond because there's still a long way in the season to go. And whilst I think top four is written off, I still think top six, top eight is a chance. And um, to me, that'll justify a pretty decent season. Yeah, I think top six has to be the aim now, really. Like if we can get back into any kind of European competition, ideally the um, the Europa League at least, the Conference League would be all right. I mean... Both of those um, competitions, you can play, you can rotate a squad a bit more than what we've have been able to this season when we've had to play our best team against, mm. you know, Borussia Dortmund and AC Milan and PSG. Like you look at Villa and Brighton, they've managed to rotate a bit. Um, so, and and that you're talking about the energy levels that you can't get away from the injuries and the fatigue in the squad this season. Like you just can't. It's just a reality of what's happened where we've been missing an entire first team for about two months, you know, and mm. you get a couple back um, and then a couple more go down. Like it happened in the Fulham game when Shah and Joe Linton went off, you know, Joe Linton's still not back. It happened to Dave and with Lascelles going off and and in the Chelsea game with Gordon going off. So it's one thing after another, another, and it all builds up and it, it's all this part of the story and part of the picture about what, what's happening. But, and Tim, when you're talking about um, energy levels, do you th- it, it was more than just fatigue and injuries in this game, wasn't it? It was an attitude from Luton that really just not didn't seem to be there for us. And that's very concerning and very worrying because it's not like us to be to be out-battling like this or to, to have less energy than another team, even in some tough away games. Yeah, I think I said on the chat previously, I said there's no easy games. I think when we were watching the Villa game against Sheffield, um, there was a few laughs in the group, and and I said this can happen. You know, there's no every you you're justified being a Premier League club, right? You, the best of the best, really. And whilst Luton are probably you know in a league above where they thought they'd be or whatever it is, that if you're five percent off your game, you can get done. Hmm. We seem to be ten percent off our game for whatever reason, what that mentality is, it's lacking from the previous two years where that wouldn't have happened. And Luton were, you know, at 100%. They were up for it and, and we weren't. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why that is. I, I'd like to think it's not complacency um, because that would have a few players ahead of where they think they are. Mm. And I don't think how would allow it, but um, we need answers and we need them quick because we've got a massive, massive, massive game that no seat, no manager wants on their CV to lose. <laughs> yeah, well, they got beat 3-0 at home as well, so it's not all bad. <laughs> they've, they've got their own yeah. issues going on. But yeah, that game has kind of taken on 
an extra importance mm. now as if it needed that like you know it's the only other competition we're in this season so um yeah we, we'll build up to the derby in the in the run-up to it but it's looking pretty um it's just looking like such a big game for the for the season and and for eddie as well now but this is what he's you know he knew this is what he signed up for coming into this club um mm. and, and he knew as well it's not all going to be smooth all the time like it's it's going to be difficult and a lot of the um a lot of the events have conspired against him and against the club this season and, and i think we need to recognize that as well even though we can sit here and say that was a terrible performance today because it because it was but even despite that though we still should have been ahead uh we'll, we'll talk about a few of the key events in this game wilson missed a header from about six yards out it was a great cross from gordon this is after we'd sort of weathered the early storm a bit um first 15 minutes we were under the under the cosh um, but we hadn't conceded. And you kind of always had a feeling that we would come into it a bit as they blew themselves out. They couldn't keep up that level of intensity for the whole game. And we did have a chance. And this has happened in a few games lately as well, where we've had a chance to score the first goal and we haven't done it. This was a really good opportunity. Good cross from Gordon. Wilson headed straight at the goalkeeper. Um, could have been 1-0 at that point, Bobby. And Wilson just doesn't quite look... well. He just doesn't look match fit to me. I think he looks like exactly like he did around the cup final last season when he wasn't match fit and he's admitted that. But this should be in one nil, shouldn't it? And could be a very different game. Yeah, yeah. Like he with Wilson's talent, you expected to go in the back of the net. Um, but like everything else, it's something he's a bit down on on form and you know, as you said, he's he's a bit um not match fit again. Um, which seems to be the way with Wilson. He'll have spikes and then he's in a downward spike at the moment. So, yeah, I think we should have been ahead. And, you know, we we were getting beat, but I thought um, we did come into the game and, you know, I thought that chance, even though it didn't go in, we might have um, continued on a little bit, but it wasn't to be minutes later. Mm. Yeah, you, you, you do just feel in these games that when when you know you're under pressure but you've got Bruno Gimaraj you know Brazil national midfielder in there and you've got all the quality you just think and hope that our quality in the end will shine through but it's not all about quality is it it's about attitude and application as well um and that's what was so disappointing Wilson would have been so disappointed in himself to have missed that chance because it was a really good one and he he has um he has been been out injured and he's come back and he just He's having to play a lot of football, a lot more football than he than he should be. He was at his best when he was rotating with Isak. Um, mm. And we're talking about Gordon, he's another one who just d- did not look fit. Like He's been brilliant this season, especially at home, but he just did not look fit. And it's not a surprise because it's, it's only a few days since he had Casado's studs raked down his, uh, yeah. his Achilles in that game. So this is this is why it's you have to sort of give them a bit of a... Um, at least understanding about their yeah, about the fitness and about the the fatigue at the moment because you've got players who shouldn't be anywhere near the first team who are having to play ninety minutes just because of the situation we're in. But yeah, yes, it's, put it, it's putting more pressure on you know as you said the likes of the people that are playing every minute of every game that shouldn't be. And let's be let's call a spade a spade. We're ahead of where we should have been. We all said it at the end of last season, making yeah. Champions League was incredible but you know 
it, it's beyond where we should be at this point of time. You know, mm. I think eventually we'll become a consistent Champions League side and we're a big enough club to be that. This is not about that. This is about, you know, timelines. And it's caught up to us because we don't have the depth. And when we do have an injury crisis in a year where we're playing more games than we've played before, it's going to have a domino effect on everything else. And we're seeing this now because Gordon yeah. has been easily our best player this season, but he looked a shadow of himself this game. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't help when you're, you know, your big summer sign gets suspended for what he did as well. It's like, it's just everything. And people will say, this is just excuses. But mm. it's like, it's valid reasons for for the situation we're in. And the, and Eddie is, doesn't want to use these as excuses. And he he's very careful about not buying into that. Um, but he, he's said himself, actually, that, you know, the, there's reasons and the circumstances have been difficult. And that's just fa- fact to say that. Um. They are excuses, mate. They are, but they're justified excuses. Like uh, things happen. This is life, you know. Like yeah. it, it's not um, in any way, shape, or form. It's it's actually factual. What's happening to us? So mm-hmm. you know, people can yeah. say we're, we're using it as an excuse. We're using this, but at the end of the day, it's happening. So we just got to. It's how we deal with it now, and we can't look and pity ourselves. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that Eddie Howe isn't. Um, We've got to come up with solutions and quick. Yeah, I just, I just want to break like football, and that's very unusual that I say that because this is my escapism. This is the thing that I absolutely love so much, and I don't want to see it too much more of it at the moment <laughs> because it's just the t- players need a break, and it's good you know that what? we're going to get that break. Go on. You know what, Jack? I reckon the players are thinking exactly the same thing, yeah. and that, and that's probably here lies the problem. With what's happening at the moment, I think it's just been overall. I think you know they're not going to get relief though, but hopefully they can get some solace that you know the games aren't going to be after this Christmas period. It's going to yeah. ease off a little bit, and then we can get back into some sort of normality and some injury injured players come back and give some other players relief. And the January window is coming, um, and that'll be the most interesting point of what's going on or where the club sees where we're at and if they back how or not so it's yeah. all going to be interesting and what the what the ffp situation is and if they can you know if they want to bring forward something from the summer maybe but they're not going to panic though they're not going to they, they might they might react to the situation but they're mm. not going to by by changing some plans but they're not going to panic about it they're not just going to go and buy players they don't actually want or that they're not going to just respond if an agent's pushing someone in a certain position just because someone's mm. injured short term and that might frustrate some people if if they think we we end the window um, without what we need again. But the club have shown that the you know the long term and maybe maybe the last transfer window is a bit too much about the long term. Perhaps you know uh, with with Tino Absolutely. and Lewis Hall. But then how are they supposed to know what would happen with Tenali and and Barnes just got a freak foot injury as well. You know mm. he he'd barely been injured in his career before that. So it's just all <laughs> all added up and all built up. Getting back to the game, Andros Townsend, who we know well. Why? What? I don't know why he's Andros Townsend senior now. All of a sudden, though, he's got he has senior on his shirt, which did is he, a bit strange. But did he have a kid that he? Made I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, his dad does media work actually in the UK, but then he would be junior, wouldn't he? So I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter because he was completely unmarked at the at the back post. Such a mm. bad goal to concede. Just a corner swung in. 
I don't even I can't remember who lost who. I think Miley was in the vicinity um when Townsend put it in. But there was a, another header that was won first, um, not far out. It was just a bad goal to concede, wasn't it, Bobby? Sloppy. Um sort of demonstrated the mentality that get that that goal to concede and something we wouldn't have last season. So it's just it's frustrating. It's when that goal goes in, you sort of think you know, we've got issues and, um, yeah, as I said, I think it was Ross Barkley that delivered the cross, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. So Barkley and Townsend, players from yesteryear, you would say, that obviously have gone for Luton to one last hurrah and, um, yeah, were able to, to get past us, which is really, really frustrating and really, really disappointing. Yeah, so, you know, for all how bad we played and we didn't deserve anything, we just lost because of a bad set piece defensive you know defensive action from us and i know that barkley then had a shot that hit the bar and there were a couple of other chances um but no matter how you know for all how bad we were we weren't actually that far still away from getting a point isak's goal is the last thing i want to kind of touch on in the game itself and then we'll get into eddie a bit more that was so close like it was it was i don't know how you can you can't see from that whether it's offside or onside i think it looked very slightly on the camera angle we had like he he was offside but you couldn't even see his foot because uh his foot was behind a player <laughs> but i think i didn't ever feel with this one no matter despite how close it was i didn't feel this was going to go for us did you no well it was given offside and then usually to turn around there's got to be something concrete and Unfortunately, it wasn't like, you know, I've seen some reactions and saying his arm was a little bit off or his, whatever it is. But once it's given offside, good luck. You know, you're not getting yeah. it back, I don't think. So um, good finish. That's the Isaac you want to see more of that we really, to be honest, haven't seen this season. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, wasn't to be. And the game, it sort of, as I said, it would have been unfair to Luton to, as well, but... It is what it is. Why can't the Premier League just get the um what to call it the semi-automatic offside thing that they had? I think they had it in the World Cup and they've got it in a few other tournaments. Mm. But that was you just think why can't you just do that and then there'll be absolutely no debate at all because and I don't know whether it's just because it looks slick and professional and the way that they you know the way that the way that it looks (laughs) on the TV maybe it's not any more accurate but it just certainly looks like it's more accurate doesn't it more professional and that it'd be less arguments about this kind of thing if we had that yeah i don't i don't think the premier league give a shit about the fans that's that's a, it's all about you know follow the money mm-hmm. that that when you want answers about why the premier league are doing something it's that's that's the reason so call me a cynic call me you know whatever but that's fundamentally it i mean if they had the fans in mind there'd be a better outcome to what's going on at the moment but even the refereeing, like I've watched a couple of other games as well, and it's just downright bad. Like, but mm. you know, I don't think the Premier League have any intention of caring what the fans think. Not not the way they move games as well. Uh, one of the mm. Arsenal games been moved to a ridiculous time where people can't get home. So just, we'll just have to we'll just have to hang around with um with men drawing little coloured lines on the screen for a bit longer. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Premier League modern modern um. Modern best sport and uh, best league in the world <laughs> can't even be bothered to get the proper. But yeah, no, it's that's not an excuse for this because it was. Uh, I think it, it did look very slightly offside, uh, and we, d- we didn't deserve it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, 
let's have a chat about Eddie in general now then. I want to talk about his, um, some of the criticisms that have been thrown at him is his team selection, his tactics lately as well. And then I just want to look at the bigger picture at how much pressure he is actually under and what's causing that and you know how serious we think it might be that his job might actually be at risk because um, it's not something I want to contemplate, but it's something that has been growing recently. Yeah. Um, so as, as it will with any football manager, when you when you lose a few games or when things aren't going as you want them to go, the team selection for this game then team selections have been very difficult because we've just barely barely had any players. But the, what he's getting stick for this time is having Tino on the bench um, when he's been so good for us recently. Um, I don't think he had really much choice with the rest of the team. He could have maybe brought Botman in um, and Isak. And it was good to see Isak on the bench as well. So obviously he yeah. came on early. But what about the decision to stick with Trippier? Because that was a bit of um, discussion about whether he would do that. Dan Byrne is never the most... Um, popular player with a lot of uh, section of the of the you know the, the fan base but what about the decision then to keep Tino out um, and not bring him on till late and to have Trippier and Burn at fullback damned if you do damned if you don't really because I mean we we talk about players playing too many too much minutes and and stuff like that and protecting them a little bit so he goes to old tried and tested Dan Byrne at left back, which got us a Champions League spot last season and then cops criticism for it. So um, starting Trippier, look, in professional sports, when you've got someone of Trippier's character and standing, when they face criticism and when they make mistakes, they want to play the next week to, to put it right. That would be it. And you trust your captain, your leader. Yeah. You know, we know LaSalle's as captain, but Trippier's real captain. Um, you trust that type of people and character if they say, Gaffer, I want to go in there and I want to make things right because he's earned that right. So you can't, I don't think, criticise Eddie too much on that team selection. You lose and, of course, it's going to come out, but that's just natural. Tino's been outstanding. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see Trippier given a rest um, and and Tino at, at right back. I think Tino's proved that he can be you know, a Premier League player and a talent. So, but I can't begrudge how on any of his team selection this game. Um, but I, you know, the result wasn't helped where people were going to make this reaction. Is it, you know, mm -hmm. isn't that the case? So, I think there's, there's another game in just over two days as well. So mm. I think that probably factored in. Maybe Tino's going to get the start the Forest game and maybe that was always the plan. Um, and I think for this game as well, Dan Byrne played because we needed physicality because we knew that Luton were going to be hoisting it at times and they were going to be putting crosses into the box. So, And I think that's why Byrne stayed on for so long as well. Um, I think he, he stayed on because we needed that threat going forward and at the back for us. I don't, um, I don't know how you can criticise too much because at the end of the day, you know, Dan Byrne was part of a defence that was the best in the league last season that got us a Champions League spot. We're struggling... We're away from is terrible. Why not try to go back to what worked last season? Yeah, especially in yeah, especially in a game like this where you're going to need his attributes as well. Mm. Lewis Hall, Lewis Hall's another one that people are using as a stick now, and it's it's a bit, it's just interesting the way that's used against Eddie as as like you should be giving him more minutes, and I just don't think people can 
like people just don't really know what's going on on the training ground. I think there's been some comments from Eddie about how he's not quite getting it defensively. Mm. Um, because you know, he's 19, he's, he's a young player. Um, and that you wouldn't be getting these questions. Lewis Hall's not going to come in and turn our away form around. You, you know what I mean? Like it's you, you can't expect that of a, of a 19 year old. Um, but I, I guess there are questions about why he's not been getting more minutes in certain games as well. What do you what do you put that down to? And do you think there's anything going on there that we're not sure about? I think people want to see something behind the scenes or conspiracy theories. I think that's um, prevalent since COVID. That it's um it's everywhere now. I just think you know Eddie's last press conference I watched and I was happy with the answers. I I, I will admit before that press conference I was a bit scratching my head of why we'd sign a bloke from Chelsea. Um, you know I understand the future for. For Lewis Hall, and we obviously rate him highly, but I was thinking, well, why make us a, a summer signing and not play, you know, him as much? But I get it when Howe came out and said they're working on him. He's nineteen, and as you say, Lewis Hall wasn't the difference in this game. So, you know, back Eddie, back what he's done. Unfortunately, I, I think some have gone off, but um, I, I don't think there's a conspiracy theory behind Lewis Hall not getting minutes anymore. Yeah, and I think we're talking about the transfer window earlier. I think in the long run, it's going to be viewed as a success um, because of, you know, Tino and, and Tenali will be back and he'll be great for us. And I think Hall will be as well. Tenali and Barnes, if they're playing every week, the transfer window is a success. Yeah, Tenali, yeah. we weren't to know. Some people will say we, were, we should have dug deeper, but it is what it is. And Barnes is a freak injury. So, like, you know. Yeah, it is what it is. It is, it is. Yeah, um, the tactics in the game. It's another thing that um, there's been sort of talk that we don't have a, a plan B, or if we're if our intense pressing game isn't isn't working correctly, which it isn't in away games at the moment. It absolutely isn't. There's been a bit of talk that we don't have a plan B, and there's no second option to go to. He tried a plan B in this game because he brought Isak on for Miley before half-time even. Um, and it was a bit... Nobody wants to be dragged off for tactical reasons before half-time. Um, but I just thought it was good to see him being proactive. This substitutes work previously as well, where he's had, um, you know, where he's had Isak and Wilson come on the, the pitch together. Um, but what about the tactics in this one? It's hard when you there's such a atmosphere as there was and part of your tactics has got to be to try and slow slow the game down to begin with initially I guess and try and get your foot on the ball but he, he was proactive in this wasn't he trying to change things early there's been a bit of criticism for him for taking Miley off and not Longstaff because um, Miley was playing quite well Longstaff wasn't playing very well but what did you think about his tactics in this and just generally his his approach in recent weeks I think when we were about to sign how signing how me and you, I think we're the ones that were so over the moon because we knew and we delved into to house history and what he brings and what, what we found was his tactical nous was incredible. I remember watching something on YouTube when he was at Bournemouth after they'd beaten Chelsea or something. Yeah. And he was displaying his tactical nous and how he cut out Chelsea's threats. Anyone who questions Howe's ability to be tactical is a moron. I'll put that bluntly. He's got he's been dealt a hand this season 
And as we said, with these excuses, with injuries and, you know, the runner games where we're, we're too far advanced for where we are, all this sort of stuff, and he's trying to cope with it. He tried to do a tactical switch that it didn't work. It almost did. If Isaac's goal was ruled in, then is how a genius. I mean, there's fine margins to this game. And I just, uh, you know, I, I see the criticism and I just pretty much ignore it now because you cannot question how's tactical now. So, I mean, let's all go back to Steve fucking Bruce if we want, <laughs> you know. You know, it is what it is. But, look, we're in a rut and we're in a situation and this will be how's, this is where he would make his money because it, it's going to be a hard slog to get to where we the club expect to be or where the fans now expect us to be. But I'll, I'd back Eddie in front of um, most to get to get us into a situation where our form turns around and then we get results going. Um, in this game, I think when you're under that severe pressure away from home in a game where your energy levels are low, taking off a 17-year-old kid is justified. Mm. That's all I'll say. Yeah, and uh, I'm not blaming Miley for their goal, but I think he did lose Townsend. I don't know if he was supposed to be marking him, but he was kind of in the vicinity. Um, he's mm. been he's been the story of the last two months, Miley, how good Incredible. he's been. He's Incredible. been brilliant. He was good He was good again today, actually, some of his touches. Um, but maybe, just, yeah, he, he just he, he needed to change it and get us a bit more attacking threat. He changed the system to a 4 2 3 1 as well. So Isak was just tucked in behind Wilson. Um, well, he wanted to be more attacking, but he needed more steel in the midfield for that to happen. Yeah. Do you put a 17 year old kid for that steel, or do you put Longstaff, who's an experienced veteran now, in yeah. that position? I mean, uh, it's yeah. mind blowing to even. You know, question that. I mean, imagine if Miley was left in that position, then how yeah, yeah. criticism for leaving a 17 year old kid, you know, against a pretty battle hardened midfield with mm. when you're trying to go and win the game. So, yeah. And and the team the team actually looked stronger on paper after these subs because Botman came on at the same time as well. And the, mm. for that for that period after Isak came on to half time, he had some nice touches, and I think it thought it looked like we were getting back into it a bit. And like you yeah. said. He scored a goal, which was so close to being being mm. allowed. And then, like I said, Eddie's a genius then. You know, <laughs> if, we, if we scored that, we could easily have gone on to win the game. The question I've got is, did we look better after the changes than before the changes? Yeah. The answer was yes. Mm. The changes worked. We just didn't get the result. Like, there's two different things, performance and result. Sometimes you can have brilliant performances and not get the result. I'm not saying our performance was brilliant, by the way, but... Mm it was better than before it happened. And we were unlucky not to get something out of that game in the end. But um, it's just, it's tiresome, boring, mm. and just downright silly for anyone who's wanting how to be replaced at this stage. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's address it then. Because, and it is, it is social media. Like, I don't think the majority of sensible Newcastle fans would look at this and think he's he's under any kind of pressure from internally or you know from the fan base or anything like that. Like people hate it when you talk about the past, but it's recent past. The last two years, the guy took us from nineteenth um, to completely down and out. Looked like we were going to get relegated to the Champions League in in just over eighteen months. Hmm. Yes, that's that's now history, and yes, we have to keep progressing. 
but you can't just forget that. Like, I'll never forget that. You can't just forget that because we're going through a bad patch away from home in the midst of an, an injury crisis. Like, mm. do you think he is under pressure from, do you think he's under pressure from outside the club, inside the club? How, re, how actually real do you think this pressure is that his job could actually be at risk because of this bad run that run at the moment? Old Newcastle? he'd be under pressure because the fans had a lot of say. Once they lose the manager, it's very, very hard to the club to to justify. I think we've got calm heads in charge and I think they'll see the bigger picture. I think, as I said, they knew this was coming. They knew a tougher season was on the horizon. That said, I don't think it's a majority of fans that are yeah. wanting how to go. I think the majority of Newcastle fans understand where we've come from, even though people don't want to talk about it you know, and where we are. And as I said, we're about two to three years advanced in this position from where we should be. If last season we didn't make Champions League and we made Europa, I think we would have, be having a better season this season. Mm. But then we wouldn't have had those experience of Champions League. And let's be frank, we were a bee's dick away from actually advancing into the Champions League next round. So... It wasn't that we were disgraced in the Champions League and how was beyond, you know, he's out of his depth against these brilliant managers who are managing these massive clubs. He actually outpointed all those managers on occasion. So, look, take a deep breath, all your um, naysayers. Take mm -hmm. a deep breath because, yep, this season will be a slog, but it's just, it's probably, I call it a platform year. It's building this platform where we can launch because once the FFP gets under control, we can see, like I see their LinkedIn page all the time and there's new sponsors coming on almost on a weekly basis. So obviously the commercial stuff is getting sorted with Silverstone pretty well. It's only going to be a matter of time before we can launch and we need these, there'll be a little bit of these ruts and stuff like that, but I think Howe is definitely the right man to take us to the next level as well. Yeah, I, I don't see on the evidence of the last two years why people think he wouldn't be the right person. Like when when he's managing the club, when we're not in an injury crisis, when every club goes through ruts, you know, through bad patches of form, it's just football. It just happens. Mm. If you're going to fire your manager whenever you go through a bad patch, this is probably the first really bad patch. And and let's be honest, we've still won every single home game for the last, you know, the, we've still won eight of nine home games. So we were so close to getting through in the Carabao Cup and the Champions League, like you said. So it is a bad patch, but it's it's a season-long bad patch away from home. That's what it is. Mm. It's not it's not a bad patch in general, really. Like there's been a few disappointing results. The manner of some of the the, the defeats has been very hard to take. But you might as well just be Chelsea if you're just going to go and sack your manager at the at the first sign of adversity. You know, it's just not going to. It's just not going to happen. And and Mourinho, fucking Mourinho keeps popping up now saying, oh, Newcastle, blah, blah. That, I would, honestly, I don't know what I would do. I'd be so disgusted if that happened. I really would be, honestly. And I'm I'm interested in this idea that people, because people just come back to me. And I, I did a, I did a Twitter post just before I went to bed last night saying that anybody who, who thinks he should be under pressure is a fucking moron. That's what I said. Mm. I was emotional, but that's how I feel about it. Um, you get a lot of people coming back to you saying, well, the owners won't accept this. The owners are ambitious, you know, as if they've got some kind of inside line to PIF headquarters where P 
you know, the talking to um, what's his name, Al Ramayan or whatever it is, who's saying, oh yeah, I think you know, nobody denies that we need, you know, we need to get better at the moment. We need to progress. We will progress. The club is ambitious. They want us to be the best, but they they're sensible as well. They they understand probably that we're ahead of schedule. That, you know, we, we weren't actually supposed to be in the Champions League at that stage. It's a long term project, all of that sort of stuff. What do you think about this idea that Piff are going to, you know, going to want to sack Eddie because of this bad run of form at the moment? Uh, I need another podcast. I need another 50 minutes to go into why <laughs> that's not going to be the case. But let's put it, Piff, we are small fry in the overall investment scheme of Piff. We are like a breadcrumb to what the overall strategy is for Al Ramayan. He's got bigger fish to fry He's put in, what they've done is be ambitious with the people they've put into the positions they've put in. Darren Eels, Silverstone, Dan Ashworth, they've hired experienced people to run this ship that they don't have to watch it. They've come in with the understanding of where we're going to be as a club and whilst I think they're going to be ambitious and while they are ambitious really, it's a long-term project. I don't know how many times they've got to, it's got to come out of their mouth that this is a long-term project and the other thing is they're very, very conscious of FFP. They don't want to be in a situation like Manchester City find themselves in where there's all this dark clouds now rearing over about the 151 charges that they've got. They want to be cautious of that and do things the right way. I think there's been, it's not racism, but I think there's this thought process that because people have this opinion of Saudi Arabia and the types of people they are, whatever they think they are, that they'll just cheat their way to being a success. They'll just spend the money and not worry about um, the Premier League or anything like that because of who Saudi are. But I think what they're failing to see, and if you do a little bit of research on on the fact of who these people actually are, they're astute business people who justify everything with a business case. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day... um, Piff aren't going to be sacking Eddie. They're going to do things well and meticulous. And the people in charge aren't Piff. It is Darren Eels, Dan Ashworth. Mm. And, um, you know, they'll, they've proven to be steady heads. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you just, you have to go back to, let's go back to Steve Bruce for a minute as well. They wouldn't let um, them sack Steve Bruce because they were thinking about sacking him straight away. Stavely and Caduce. Because they heard that the fans didn't want Steve Bruce and he was going to, um, you know, put a downer on their first game. But the the story was that Piff wouldn't actually let them sack him without a replacement. They said, "Well, what's what's the plan?" You know, and this mm. is Steve Bruce we're talking about. So, um, it's really it's really um, insightful. I think what you've just said there, though, about that we're just a small crumb in the Piff world, like. They're building a new city, man, in Saudi Arabia. You know, like <laughs> they've got it's the Vision Twenty Thirty stuff. Like uh, they, they, uh, I mean, they're not, they're not sitting there thinking, "Oh, Newcastle have lost to Luton." You know, "Oh, I think we need to sack Eddie Howe." That's just not, like you said, that's just not how they operate and how they work. I think some fans think they're, they're in the office of um, the Royal Highness, whatever his name is, and you know, Elmer reminds there, and they're looking at each other, having you know, watching the game and going, "Oh, let's sack him because." We've spent so much money. They haven't spent much money in their regard. They're just giving. It's all part of a sports washing regime or what they want to do, but it's also advertising for what Saudi want to do. Like whether you 
believe what they say or not, and I'll leave people to judge that up to themselves. But they're trying to change the way people see Saudi Arabia because they need to attract investors. They need to attract tourism. They need to attract all this stuff. You know, you, you can read the, the Saudi plan for 2030 like I have front to back. I've tried to get to know this regime with an open mind rather than just a closed a closed mind and, and judging them on past transitions and all that sort of stuff. But whatever's said and done, this investment for PIF is small fry and it plays into the biggest scheme of things they want to do. They're not looking at this, um, you know, and being emotionally reactive. They'll have their monthly or weekly catch-ups, whatever they plan to do with the people in charge, and meticulously business plan the next steps. And I I'm probably, you know, 99% confident that the plan includes Eddie Howe for the long-term future. Yeah, and he's got support of the people around him who he works with day-to-day as well. Like... This this idea that he's going to be like Mark Hughes was at Man City when when they had their takeover and he got them to a certain level and then they had to move on from him as well. Mark Hughes never took City from relegation zone into the Champions League, you know, in eighteen months. So it's like anyone anyone can sit there after we've won a game and say Eddie's amazing or his tactics or his subs are amazing. You have to back it when he's when things are not going well as well though. You can't just sit there and say because we've lost a few games in, in in difficult circumstances that he's not the man anymore to take us forward it's just absolutely ludicrous really and and what the the fact that they were after emery as well before eddie you know at the same time and how well he's doing at villa it just shows you that these people have got their heads screwed on properly mm. and that they know that the the direction we need to go in and all of that they've just said about the, the business case and all that sort of stuff like it's going to succeed. It is going to succeed. Maybe, maybe we will get to a point one day where Eddie can't take us the next step. Maybe that will be, you know, get winning the Champions League. Maybe, maybe he's not going to win, win the league for us. Um, but he's he's so much more than capable of winning winning the trophy and of getting consistent European football for us. Um, and we will see that when we have when we've got more new more players and when we've got players back and when the circumstances are not as difficult as they have been recently. Agreed. Absolutely yeah. agreed. All right. Um, I think that's it. We've uh, we've managed to talk for forty two minutes about probably the worst game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the we've got the forest game coming up on. Well, so what is it today? It's that time of year where you don't know what day it is. I think it's Christmas uh, Eve right now. It's at Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> or it's Saturday? I don't know. One of the two. It's, I think it's Sunday and Christmas Eve. Which I'm on leave. I'm on leave, so I don't yeah. care what day it is. To be honest, no one knows what day it is. What's going on? So. Um, and then the game, the first game is Boxing Day night for us, I think, 10.30, 11.30 for you, so that's pretty nice. Uh, not a bad one, and it's a home game, so we should win, and everyone will feel a lot happier about life. And then we can start, we can probably just write off the Liverpool game um, and pretend it's not happening. Um, and then we've got the Sunderland game to look forward to, look forward to in inverted commas. Uh, all right, Bobby, have yourself a lovely Christmas. Love to your you family. Too, um and hope everybody watching and listening has a good christmas we'll be back at some stage like i said i don't know what day it is but we'll be back at some stage probably to talk about the forest game uh in the next uh, week or so <laughs> cheers everybody merry christmas guys cheers, Bobby.